0: Hey, this is Matt Stacy, youth pastor at New Life, and this is our podcast. I hope that the preaching and teaching you listen to here encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with God. This podcast is a ministry of New Life, and as such, is completely free to the listener. That being said, if you feel led to give to this ministry, we want to make that available to you. You can text GIVE to 833-793-0451. You can also give online through the Tithely app by searching New Life Tabernacle. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 again and verse 2. We're going to see what the Lord will do in this place today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, reads like this. Wherefore... Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse number two Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you'll bear with me, I'd like to preach for just a little bit on this thought. Why are you running? Why are you running? Would you pray with me, Jesus? We thank you for this opportunity in your house to hear from your word. God, I ask you to help me to preach in a way that you can anoint. Help me to say everything you'd have me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. The whole counsel of God. Lord, let the seed of your word fall on good ground. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. We must be born again. That's apostolic. We taught a few weeks ago, Paul and Corinthians kind of went back to the basics. He went back to the basics in 1 Corinthians and he started talking about the gospel, the good news. What is the good news? The good news is the death of the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. How does the good news apply to us today? The good news today is that we can repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. We have an opportunity today to be born again. And I'd like to just say right at the, right at the outset, if you've not been born again, I don't know what you're waiting for. There's nothing in the world that is greater than being born again of water and of spirit. Amen. But too many times we look at that being born again and we think that is the culmination. That's the end goal. That's what we're shooting for. And we feel like that after we've been born again, we've reached it. We've reached our point. But can I say that being born again is not the end, that is merely the beginning of your walk with God. In fact, I will just have enough courage to say it while we're allowed to say it online, that you are not walking with God yet until you have been born again of water and of spirit. Your walk with God starts whenever you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues. But that is just the beginning of your walk with God. That is not the end of your walk with God. The writer of Hebrews likens this journey that we are on today to that of a race, a race running. No Christian is exempt from this race. You say, I'm not a runner. If you're living for God, yes, you are. You're a part of the race. We are all on a race today trying to get the end result, and that is an eternity spent with Almighty God, with Jesus. The writer here gives us a guide, if you will, for successfully running this race That is set before us Every Christian is brought to this point After being born again Where we're set on the road The race begins And the question is How are we going to run the race? Will we run it well? Will we run it at all? Will we stop before the finish line? The apostle gives us As I said a few a guideline, if you will, a a few guiding instructions on how to successfully run the race that is set before us. And I'm going to tackle a few of these today. First, the apostle says, and it seems so obvious, but sometimes the obvious truths are the greatest truths. The first thing he says that you've got to do if you're going to run the race that is set before you, If you're going to run well the race of a Christian, you've got to first lay aside every weight and sin. Saying it like this, make it more understandable, you've got to lighten your load. Amen. In 1845, there was an ill-fated expedition led by a man by the name of Franklin. He sailed from England to find a passage across the Arctic Ocean that was a that's a that's a that's a nice thing to want to accomplish that's a good goal to try to tackle proud of him for trying but it's interesting when you look into what happened the failure there you can trace it back to this thing right here here we go the crew loaded their two sailing ships with a lot of things that they did not need. Now, I would argue with the first things that they didn't need. They brought with them, now remember the goal. The goal is to find a passageway to the Arctic. That's their only goal, Brother Chad. They're trying to find a way from point A to point B. That's it. These gentlemen brought with them 1,200 volumes of books 1200 books for this journey to find a passageway they brought a library with him and I, I feel like that's debatable whether or not that was needed we can as a book reader we can debate on that but the rest of this is not debatable these gentlemen on their way across the ocean brought with them fine china crystal goblets and sterling silverware for each officer with his initials engraved on the handle. Amazingly though, out of all the books that they brought and all of the nice silverware and the nice things and the luggage, they only brought with them a 12-day supply of coal for their steam engine. Their boat will not keep going without coal. And yet they decided while packing, I'll bring a little bit of coal and I'll bring a whole lot of silverware. I've got to have plates, but my boat doesn't need coal. I don't understand what was going on in their minds. They brought a small supply of coal, large supply of plates. Does anybody know how to do the dishes? You need one plate, you need a fork, you need a spoon And you could have made that journey But these gentlemen packed a massive thing of luggage Interestingly enough, after a while The ship became trapped in the frozen plains of ice Because it could not move forward due to the lack of coal After several months, Lord Franklin The gentleman that started the expedition ended up dying The men that he was with decided to try to trek to safety in small groups, but none of them survived. And the worst story that we have out of this is a couple of men that decided to trek out on their own. They made it some 60 miles across frozen terrain, trying to make it, trying to survive. They ended up dying. Would you believe that when the rescuers found their bodies, with their bodies, the only thing they had was a sled and a ton of silver. They didn't bring with them any food for the journey. They didn't bring with them extra clothes for the journey. They didn't find any sleeping bags or any shelter or anything like that that they could they could stop and use along the way all they had was silverware silver stuff that they felt like they could use for money this ended up dooming their trip it ended up costing them their lives they were weighed down by stuff that they did not need but my question is today how often is it that in the life of a christian we do the exact same thing My Bible says today that we are running a race. But too many times in that race we are weighted down by stuff that we've got to let go. The Apostle Paul said that it's two things. It's sins but it's also weights. We tend to focus on sins, but we don't look so hard at the weights. But my Bible says that it's both. It's not just bitterness, although bitterness will hold you down, but it's also worry. It's not just jealousy, but it's also insecurity. It's not just anger, but it is also fear. It's not just an attitude of rebellion, but it's also anxiety. But I want to preach today, whether it's a weight or whether it's a We have got to let it go. If it doesn't edify your soul, if it's not going to help you on the journey, you need to get it off your shoulder and keep going. Hallelujah too many times. We are weighted down by the things of this world. Bitterness can't help you on your journey. Holding on to pain and regret and all that can't help you on your journey. You've got to let it go because we are in a race today and we can't afford to get tired and to get fatigued on the journey. We've got to let it go. Amen. Every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. I could sit here for an hour and just talking about weights and sins and things that we've got to let go in order to accomplish the prize that is set before us. But I'm just going to leave it to you today. You think in your mind. Even while I'm preaching right now, I believe the Spirit can put it in your mind. Things that are slowing you down on your journey. Situations that are stopping you up in this race for the prize. I want you to know that if it will cost you your soul, that's a price you ought not be willing to pay. Let it go. If it doesn't edify your soul, if it doesn't help your family be saved, let it go. It's not worthy. I'm getting rid of it today. Hallelujah. Somebody hurt me, so and so did this to me, I don't care, that's a weight, I'm getting it off of me, I've got a journey, I've got to run, heaven, I want to make heaven my home, it doesn't matter who's trying to get in my way, who's trying to cause me to stumble, I'm lightening my load today, I'm getting it off of me. Hallelujah. Too many times we run into sin and we stumble and I want to just say, I know that we are all human in this place. We do stumble. Sometimes we do fall, but what the mistake happens, what the greatest mistake happens is after that sin, you know what we do? Like a brick, we put it inside of a backpack and we decide, okay, for the rest of this journey, I messed up, so I'm going to go ahead and carry this sin, this load around with me. I'm going to let guilt and condemnation ruin my soul. You ought not do that today. I don't know where you've messed up. I don't know where you've fallen down. But I know it is not the will of God for you to continue down that road. My Bible says that everything that I repent of is under the blood. It's not my job to carry it with me. It's not my job to hold on to it or to hold on to somebody else's weight in sin. It's my job to let it go come on somebody we are on a race today we are trying to make heaven our home and we don't have time to let weights and sins hold us back come on somebody i want to finish this race i want to run it well i want to hear my savior say well done now good and faithful servant how many times Do we allow weights and these things to hold us back? Talking about weights, there's another form of weight that we don't talk about as much. In fact, it's rarely ever addressed. There's a story of Alexander the Great and his army as they're marching from victory to victory to victory. He's known as the man who conquered half the known world by the age of 25. He was a successful man. But somewhere along the journey, Brother Jeff, he eventually got to a point where he realized, Brother Kendall, that the fight was getting harder and harder. It should have been getting easier and easier. Because his men were getting more experience and more experience. They were surviving one battle after the next. It should have been getting easier. Why was it getting harder? He looked around and noticed the baggage that the men were carrying was becoming greater and greater. After every victory, they were loading up on stuff. They found stuff from every victory. After we conquered this people, I'm going to take this, this, and this is my prize. And they it in their stuff and they started carrying to the point where all the stuff that they had won... ...through victory after victory after victory started becoming not a blessing but a great hindrance to the army. Alexander looked around and you know what he said? Winning is what matters. Everybody grab your stuff. Everything that you've accumulated over battle after battle and victory after victory and put it into a pile and his men you know they started grumbling why is this necessary why are we putting everything into a pile and you know what alexander did he lit the thing on fire everything that they had been winning and accumulating over the years burning all at once the men not understanding they were grumbling i earned this i fought for this why are you burning it Alexander had an understanding. We're not done fighting. We're not done winning. There are more victories in the future. There are more battles to win. And your past victories are keeping you from winning the victories in the future right now. Your past successes are harming your future success. So what you've got to do is you've got to put it in a pile and begin to burn it. How many times as believers do we hold on? See, nobody wants to talk about those kind of weights. We hold on to the successes that we had. Well, last week I fasted a day. And yesterday I prayed five minutes. And today I talked to somebody about Jesus. But what about tomorrow? And what about tomorrow's victory? Well, ten years ago we had this many in church. And we used to have this record. Come on, somebody. We are not beholden to past victories. We're letting go of what happened yesterday. Tomorrow is what matters. I don't care how many were baptized yesterday or last year or the year before. I want to see people baptized this year. I want to see souls saved this year. Come on. We've got people in this church that remember the old building that we used to be in. But thank God, we won victories, and we're in this building. But guess what? We're not attached to this building. I know we won hard-fought victories to get where we're at. I know we did a lot of work, and a lot of prayer, and a lot of time and energy has come into getting to this place. But we're not done here. In fact, we're not attached to this wall. I believe this wall's got to go, because we've got more victories that we're going to have. Hallelujah. I'm not satisfied with saying I remember what revival used to be like and I remember what this used to be like. I'm not satisfied with past victories. I want more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah after Alexander had them burn their stuff. One writer of that era says that the men, it looked like that they grew wings of eagles. They began to walk lighter than they've ever walked before. Why? Because they had something else to fight for. They weren't satisfied with what they had before. I'm not satisfied. Brother Chad, I'm not satisfied with this building being full. I know you look around. We've only got a few seats left i'm not satisfied i want the next building and i want that building to be full and i want us to stress about a new building after that because it's more victory and more victory and more victory come on we're on a race today we're trying to get to heaven and not just me i'm trying to get everybody i can with me we've got to get there lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. The next thing the Apostle Paul tells us. Is that we have to have patience. He says. Run with patience. The race that is set before us. What does that word mean? Patience. Patience. It's hypomone in the original language. What does that mean? That means steadfastness, constancy, endurance. He says that if you're going to run this race that you've been put on, you've been born again, that's good. But now you're on a race. You've lightened the load. You've gotten rid of the weights and sins. That's good. But what's next? Run with patience. Run with endurance. Run with steadfastness. Stick to it. In Australia, there's a grueling 543 mile endurance race from Sydney to Melbourne it's the world's largest and toughest ultra marathon in 1983 150 of the world of the world's greatest runners converged on Sydney Australia for the event on the day of the race a toothless 61-year-old potato farmer, a sheep herder named Cliff Young, approached the registration table wearing overalls and boots. Overalls and boots at the registration table. At first, people thought that Cliff was just there to watch the race. But to their surprise, to some of their laughter, Young Cliff Young, he decided to run and requested a number. What's interesting about this man, he grew up on a farm without the benefit, without the luxuries of horses and four wheel drive vehicles he would have to run his sheep from one pastor to the other pastor. When storms would roll in, Cliff headed out to round up 2,000 sheep over a 2,000-acre farm. Sometimes he had to run them two or three days to complete the roundup in a row. So the spectators that watched old Cliff, they laughed at him. They said, this must be a joke this this old farmer he's got such a great sense of humor. Look at him joking with the rest of us. He's going to try to run this race. When the gun went off, Cliff took off and he was left behind immediately. The great runners of the race took off. They took off in their Nike. They took off in their in whatever brands, you know, they had Puma, whatever the running brands are. They took off running, left old Cliff in his boots behind. Snickers gave way to absolute laughter as they realized that old Cliff was going to continue the race. And what was worse about it is brother Chad, Cliff didn't run like the rest of the runners. He took off in just an odd shuffle, just barely moving like a turtle just trotting along. Everybody else, they're running. They've got the runner's pace. They've got a great pace. They're making up time. Old Cliff, he's just barely moving out there, but he keeps on moving. Australians were stunned whenever the day of the finishing line comes up. And guess who it is at the forefront? Five days 15 hours and four minutes later, Cliff Young came shuffling across the finish line, winning the ultra marathon. And you know what's crazy? He didn't win it by a few seconds or a couple of minutes. Get this the nearest runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind. What happened, everybody, see, everybody knew that what has to happen is you've got to give everything you can give for uh, 18 hours, and then you've got to sleep for 6 hours, and then you've got to get up again and give it everything you've got, and then you've got to sleep again, but nobody told Cliff. Nobody told Cliff that you had to stop, Brother Kendall, in the middle of the journey. Nobody told Cliff that you needed some sleep. And for five, I know it seems incredible. Look up the story if you want to. 1983, Mr. Cliff Young, all through the night, he just kept going with his shuffle. Slow as can be, but while everybody else was sleeping, you know what he was doing? He was finishing the race. He didn't know that you needed to stop, he didn't know that you had to have rest. All he knew was, I'm in a race and I'm here to finish. And so, Old Cliff. Just minute by minute, mile by mile He just kept going That's what we've got to do as Christians We've got to just decide I'm in a race And it doesn't matter how fast I go The only thing that matters Is I'm going to finish well I'm going to finish well I'm going to keep going I'm going to keep going Hallelujah We've got to have endurance. No matter what the struggle, no matter what the trial, I'm just going to keep going. See, too many think this race that we're in, living for God, is a hundred-yard sprint. No, it's not. In fact, the people that start out the fastest are usually the ones that fall. But it's those that get a hold of it for themselves, deep down on the inside, and just decide: I may be coming along slow, but I'm going to come along sure and steady. Hallelujah! Come on, we're in this. To win this, the question is: Then we've got endurance. We've laid aside every weight and sin. Where are we looking? The writer says, "Looking unto Jesus." But the question is, how too often are we looking in that direction? Let me just ask you, what's the crisis of the day? Seems like maybe it's terrorism or gun violence. Maybe it's a failing economy. Really what's the crisis of the day We're in the middle of a pandemic Evil government officials Everywhere we look if we're not careful There's some crisis Some 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 weight that would get a hold of us That would hold us back But the apostle Paul Look how he put it in there Just kind of casually You're running a race You've got to lighten your load You've got to have endurance What else brother Paul What else do I need to run this race Here you go brothers and sisters You've got to keep your eyes on the prize looking unto Jesus the author and the finish but we've got terrorism going on looking unto Jesus we're in the middle of a pandemic looking unto Jesus brother Stacy I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from looking unto Jesus I don't know how we're going to keep going looking unto Jesus You know what they tell me? They tell me that building expenses are too much right now. It's too much to buy any wood. We can't do it. We're going to have to wait a long time. Looking unto Jesus. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to let that fear and doubt weigh me down. I'm just going to focus on Jesus. It's his desire to build the new building more than it's my desire. He wants to see souls saved more than I want to see souls saved. So I'm just going to keep looking unto Jesus. Hallelujah. Where are you looking? Corey Ten Boom was a survivor of the Nazi extermination camp. She witnessed some of the greatest horrors the world has ever seen, and she ended up surviving it. She survived it with a great attitude and still believing in Jesus. How did she do it? How did she stay faithful? How did she keep from losing hope? What kept her from losing her mind in the greatest trial, in the middle of the greatest evil the world had ever seen? You know what she said? She said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Come on, somebody. How did she survive? She was looking at Jesus. She was staying focused. Come on. I know some of you are tired. Some of you are weary in your spirit. You don't know how you're going to keep going tomorrow. I just want to come with a reminder. Get your eyes off, people. Get your eyes off things and get them back on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Why are you running? That's the question of today's sermon. I know I've taken a while to get here, but let me preach for just a minute. Why are you running? We thank the Apostle Paul. He's given us some wisdom. We know how to run. We know we've got to lighten the load. We know we've got to have endurance. We know we've got to keep our eye on the prize but maybe the most important aspect of running is knowing why you are running. Why am I in the race? Why am I here? This question hit me hard one day, and to be honest, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since it happened. I was out running one day, and after a long winter, Brother Rick, running is hard. <laughs> I've got a lot of extra pounds that I've got to get off in order to. I was I was running a certain amount of miles by the end of last year. Now you go out there, you think muscle memory a lie, a lie. So I'm out there, and I decided to go on my usual six mile instead of taking it slow. I, I was going I'm gonna do exactly where I finished off last year. Halfway through. <laughs> I'm dying, I can't breathe, heart's pounding, head's hurting, feet's hurting, I've got to just continue going, I'm half. you know what the problem is, I've said this before, with running around Purcell Lake, once you're halfway around, there's no turning back, you go back, it's the same distance, you're stuck, so I'm out here, and all of a sudden, while I'm running, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, good old gentleman, this only happens in Oklahoma, People will just stop and just try to help you out. Every, I can, every time I run at my papa's house, especially in the summer, some good soul decides to stop and ask me if I need some help. Thank God for Oklahomans. Amen. People ask me what makes Oklahoma great. I try to tell them it's the people. They don't believe me. Well, wait until you're in a crisis in Oklahoma and see when Oklahomans step up. So I'm out here struggling in this, bless his heart, this old man he pulls up. And he's hollering at me. I don't know he's hollering at me because I've got earphones in. I'm just distra- I'm, I'm focused, folks. I'm trying to, I've got things to do. And I noticed that this guy is, I don't have a weapon on me. This guy's like tagging me. He's like real slow right behind me in a truck. And I'm thinking, what in the world? So I stop and pull out my ear, earphones and he looks at me. And he's got this, he's, you can tell he's got sympathy in his heart, sympathy in his eyes. And he goes, man, are you running because you want to? And I'm sitting there, and I'm having to think about it. I'm like, listen, I really want to get in that truck. This gentleman's going to give me a way out. I have found it. But I had to look deep inside myself and think about why I'm out here. I've got goals I want to accomplish. I know I'm hurting right now. So I look back at him, and I said, sir, I may not be doing it because I want to right now, but I need to be out here. So really, I do want to, and I thank you for it. And I kid you not, immediately that look of sympathy Turned into a look of derision He looked at me like I was crazy Like okay you're running because you want to I'll see you later then And he took off And that question though It haunted me from then on Because I never thought about it Am I running because I want to? I have my reasons for running I I need to be healthier I need to lose some weight I want to to be able to run I've got things that I want to be able to do But I I never just thought about it Am I running because I want to? And that question The way he asked it to me The tone It was sympathy It was like man Are you out here because you have to be? And it really got into me And I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since Every day I think about that That man is asking me Are you running because you want to? Are you running because you want to? And then it was a couple days later and I feel like the Lord gave it to me Where I was just thinking about this race that we run as Christians Paul said that we're on a race And my question is, are you running today because you want to? Are you running because you want to? Now, I know all of the answers you could give me. I'm running because I need to. I'm running because I know it's good for me. I'm running because of this, and I'm running because of that. I'm running because of so-and-so. I love so-and-so so much, and they love Jesus, so I'm running because they're running. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking if you're running because you want to. I've got news for you. Please don't take this the wrong way. But if you're running this race, this Christian race... For any other reason than you want to be here and you want to live for God and you want to run this race. If you're running for any other reason in the world, you're going to end up quitting when it counts. The only way that you're going to have endurance, the only way that you're going to be able to stay in the race is you've got to run because you want to. You can't run because mom and dad are running. You can't run because you've got a friend that's running. I can't even run because my pastor's running. I've got to run because I want to. I've been convinced. I've been convicted and I've been convinced. I'm in this because I want to be here. And you know what happens whenever you get in this race because you want to be here? Brother Chad, whenever you get in a race because you want to be in the race, nobody can pull you out of that race. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, well, I was going to church, but I stopped going to church because so and so did this or so and so did that or that happened or this happened. Come on. I'm not in this for so and so. I'm not in this because they're being nice to me or because people treat me right. I'm in this because I'm in love with Jesus. I know He's been better to me than I deserve. I'm running this race because I want to. So I'm asking you today under the unction of the Holy Ghost, why are you running? Why are you in this race? If you haven't gotten it settled deep inside of your soul, today is the day to figure it out. I'm running because I want to. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get to heaven and see Jesus and be like, well, you know, I'm here, Jesus, because so and so's here, and I don't want to spend eternity without them. No. When you find Jesus, when you're standing before him, you've got to have it deep inside of you. I'm not here because I know pastors in heaven. I'm not at these gates because I know Brother Jeff's waiting on the inside. I'm at these gates because I want to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Why are you running? And you know what's going to happen as soon as you decide. See, the world will come up to you and they'll hit you with that question, "Why are you running this race?" And if you don't if you have any other answer than I'm running because I want to, the world can talk you out of running real quick. If I hadn't just decided in my heart that I needed to be out there running, that truck, he had the air conditioner on, it looked nice, I was ready to roll, but something inside of me said, I've got to keep going, and we've got to have that as Christians. Amen. But as soon as I said, yes, sir, I'm running because I want to, that look of sympathy turned to a look of derision. Because when the world realizes you're not running because you feel manipulated, you're not running because somebody talked you into it, somebody confused you into believing the truth, but you're actually living this way because you believe it to the core of your being. You're living this way because you just love Jesus. When the world finds out about that, listen to Peter. 1 Peter, verses 4 and 3 and 4. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. So he's saying, in our past, we did these things. We walked in lasciviousness. We walked in lust, in excess of wine, in revelries, in banquetings, and abominable idolatries. That was in our past. But look at this, look at verse 4, 1 Peter 4 and 4, wherein the world, they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. The world, when they realize you're not in this because, because somebody's making you be in this, you're not running with them because you're, you're in this because you want to be in this. They start, there's something that just stirs inside of the spirit of the world. I'm not just talking about people now. I'm preaching against the spirit of the world, the spirit that's in the world. That spirit gets stirred up when a believer just decides, I'm in this because I want to be in this. And the apostle Peter, he got up there. And he says you know what happens when you decide that People start becoming against you They start pushing against you They start speaking evil of you And if you don't have it made up in your mind If you don't have the issue settled in your heart That you're going to live for God You can be talked out of this thing But I'm not here to be talked out of this thing I've already been talked into this thing by the word of God I'm in it because I want to be in it Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lastly, you've got to have a never quit spirit. We've got to make up in our minds. One more story for you. John Stephen Aquari, marathon runner from Tanzania. He finished last place in the nineteen sixty eight Olympics in Mexico City. Last place in the Olympics. Not only did he finish in last place, but no finisher ever finished quite this last. He finished real last. He was injured, you see, before he came to the stadium. He hobbled into the stadium, his leg bloodied and bandaged, and it was more than an hour after the rest of the runners completed the race. Only a few of the spectators were left in the stands when this gentleman finally crossed the finish line. When they asked him why he continued to run in spite of the pain, Aquari said, and I love this so much, my country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. My city. My country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to Mexico City to finish the race. That's why I kept running through the pain, through the agony. He just had up in it, made up in his mind. They sent me over here. They didn't send me to start. They sent me to finish. I've got news for you. Jesus didn't just save you to start this race. Jesus didn't save you to get your life all together and to have a blessed life down here. No! Jesus saved you so that you'll be a finisher, so that you'll finish the race. You've got to make it up in your mind I'm not a quitter I'm going to finish I'm going to finish Hallelujah I wonder if you would just look inside of yourself right now And ask the Holy Ghost to help you get the understanding I've got what it takes I'm a finisher I know I've started the race But I'm not here just to start I'm here to finish Hallelujah Hallelujah We've got to have an I won't quit mentality. I'm coming to a close. If Sister Melanie wants to come up to the piano, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. An old song that my mom used to sing to me while I was praying about this message came to my mind, came to my heart, and actually it's never left. It's always just there on store. See, maybe I've told the church before. I don't know. But mama used to sing me to sleep with a song. I love him too much. It was the same song. Night after night after night. Mama thought she was just singing her son to bed. But what she was doing, it was she was singing awake my soul. She was awakening my soul to the need to finish, finish, finish. Let me just read to you the song. When I first heard of Jesus His love and His grace My heart was overwhelmed To think a king would take my place I cried Lord I'll go with you every step of the way That's all I can do My debt to repay I told him I loved him It was easy to say But harder to prove it When temptation came my way What good or broken promises I count them but loss When I caught a glimpse of true love Hanging on a rugged cross Oh, the years have drawn us closer My love for Him has grown Each step has brought me nearer To my eternal home and I'm just too close. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm just too close to heaven to turn back now. His grace will be sufficient. I'm going to make it somehow. Hallelujah. The Course says this. I love Him too much to fail Him now. Too much to break my vow. For I promised the Lord that I would make it somehow. And now I love him too much to fail him now. She thought she was just singing her son asleep, but she was singing my soul awake to the need. I've got to make it. I've got to make it. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not in this for anybody else. I'm running because I want to be here. I'm going to be saved because I want to be here. I want to open these altars up right now. I wonder if that's your cry, if that's your heart's cry. Why are you running today? Why are you in this race? I hope you're in it because you want to be here. I hope you're running because you want to run. Hallelujah. I'm going to make it somehow I'm going to keep going I'm not going to quit I'm going to keep going whatever it takes however long it takes I'm not satisfied I'm not satisfied I'm going to keep going I'm running because I want to run I'm running because I want to run I'm here because I want to be here